So church, aren't you thankful that they put in a good year's work at this house? Now let me also say this. We are continuing the interview process. I've already met with a few different couples, a few different people. We're hoping that it's not going to be long. I believe that God is going to complete this staff. Let me say this one more time. I believe that God is going to complete this staff before we get, we get on the church property for our first service. I believe that God is going to send the right person our way. If you believe that, say amen. We covet your prayers for wisdom and guidance. Now, if you're ready for a word, I want you to say, Pastor, bring it on. Now, as you know, we're in the middle of a series that we have entitled 50 Days. It was 50 days from the resurrection until Pentecost Sunday. And I believe that as we are on the road to Pentecost Sunday, that God is going to have his way in our services. Now, we've got one week. Next week is Pentecost Sunday, and I wish we could brand it a different way because there's been something that's been resonating inside of my spirit over the past few days, over the past 48 hours, that Pentecost Sunday is going to be a day of miracles. I believe it's going to be a day of miracles. I believe it's going to be a day of signs and wonders. I believe it's going to be a day to remember in the history of this great church. Long ago, decades ago, when this church was called CLC. Up till now, 2015, where we're Calvary, New Smyrna. I believe that next Sunday is going to be a game-changing Sunday. I believe that it's going to be a day to remember in the history of this great church. Church, we're going to be praying for miracles. I believe next Sunday, if you know somebody that needs a miracle in their life, I believe you have a duty and an obligation to get them in this house. I want you to bring them. You know people that have cancer, bring them. You know people that can't walk and they're bound to a wheelchair, bring them. Someone that has poor eyesight, bring them. I want the deaf, the blind, and the mute in this house next Sunday. I believe if you know someone that has diabetes, they're going to walk into this place with diabetes and they're going to walk out of this place without diabetes. I believe it's going to be one of those type of services. Not only are we going to be praying for miracles, but we're going to be praying for people to receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues next Sunday. You want to be a tongue talker? It can happen today, but we're going to be praying for it to happen next Sunday. And I'm going to jump into that in just a moment. Say, Pastor, I didn't know I was in a tongue-talking church. Don't you worry. It's in the Bible. Not only are we going to be praying for people to receive the baptism, we're also going to be praying for people to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, I don't want people just to receive tongues. That's the initial sign. But I want people to walk out of here prophesying. I want people to walk out of here with wisdom. I want people to walk out of here with knowledge. I want people to walk out of here not only having a miracle, not only being baptized, not only being able to speak in tongues, not only receiving the gifts, but I want you to walk out of here walking in the fruit of the Spirit as well. Everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer, we want in this church. Now, if there's one thing that I have said over the past few weeks, it's this. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. We need the Holy Ghost. 
We need the Holy Ghost in this church. Can I hear an amen? We need the Holy Ghost in our ministries. We need the Holy Ghost in our kids' ministry. We need the Holy Ghost in our nursery. We need the Holy Ghost in our youth. We need the Holy Ghost in young adults. We need the Holy Ghost in young married couples. We need the Holy Ghost in adults. And we need the Holy Ghost in our mature saints. Come on, somebody. Can I, say, can I hear an amen? We need the Holy Ghost in this church. But not only do we need the Holy Ghost in this church, we need the Holy Ghost in our house. I need the Holy Ghost in my marriage. Try being married to me. Pray that the Holy Ghost catches Jackie on the way out of here. Come on. We want the Holy Ghost in our finances. We need the Holy Ghost in our businesses. We need the Holy Ghost in the way that we bring up our children. We need the Holy Ghost in everything that we do. And I'm here to tell you, that we're not going to shy away from the fact that we are a spirit-filled church. If you're looking for one of those 45-minute church services where the worship lasts for 10 minutes and, and the sermon goes for 20 minutes, <laughs> and the fellowship goes for 20 minutes, can I tell you, you're in the wrong church today. I'm not saying that that's not the right way to do it. If that's working for them, God bless them. But I'm here to tell you today, if we go an hour, two hours, three hours, and everything that we do, I want us to not only be spirit-filled, I want us to be spirit-led. Are you with me today, church? Now, I'm preaching a message that I've entitled this, The Significance of the Spirit. Now, among the 130 attributes that the scholars have attributed to the Holy Ghost, there's been five that have been resonating in my spirit for the past two days. You see, I've got to get in me, out of me, and into your spirit today. I believe that our church is at a crossroads. I believe that there are five, there are five things today that, we, that not only we need, but we've got to believe the Holy Ghost for in the future of this house. Now, of all the things that I could preach on about the Holy Ghost today, I believe that He is the Spirit of Holiness. I believe that He is the Spirit of grace. The Bible says that He is the Spirit of adoption. He is the Spirit of prophecy. He is the Spirit of knowledge. He is the Spirit of understanding. He is the Spirit of might. He is the Spirit of counsel. And He is the Spirit of glory. He is wind. He is breath. And He is fire. But of all those things that He really is, I believe that there are five things today that not only we need, but we have got to believe God for in the history and the future of this great church. You with me? The first thing that I believe we got to believe the Holy Spirit for today is this, power. I need power. Is there anybody in the sanctuary today that says, Pastor, I testify with you. I've got to have a little bit of power in my life. And how many know you're in a Pentecostal church? You can't just say it, power. You got to say it, power. You know, you can't just sit down and say, I need Holy Ghost power. I need Holy Ghost power. Some of y'all like, get me out of this crazy place. It got weird. You can't just say, I need Holy Ghost power. You got to be like, I need Holy Ghost power. 
And I don't know about you, but I need Holy Ghost power in everything that I do. In my everyday life, I need Holy Ghost power. I need power to watch TV. Can I get a witness up in this house? In my everyday life, I need power to cook. Hello. Let me just say this. My wife picked on me last week. I hold no grudges. I'm not offended. I'll say something nice about my beautiful bride today. She can cook. If there are any men in the by the way, didn't she do a phenomenal job last week? Mother's Day was off the chain. We had, listen, we had our second largest attended service this year. We dedicated 13 children to the Lord. We had almost 40 kids in our kids' church. It was a great day. Capped off. Wonderful pictures, but capped off by my beautiful bride preaching a phenomenal word. And, and of all the things that she picked on me about last week, I'm not offended. We need power to cook, and my wife can cook. Let me just say that. We need power to work. We need power to drive. We need power in our everyday life. Can I hear an amen? But not only do we need power in our everyday life, I need power in my spirit. Not only do I need power in the physical, I need power in the spiritual. Now the Bible says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my, you shall be my, you shall be my, to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now as a Pentecostal, is there anybody that's in here that identifies a Pentecostal today? Now as a Pentecostal, probably aside from John 3:16 this is the most familiar verse in all of the bible i believe you probably have quoted this up teen times you've probably heard dozens of messages based off of just this one piece of scripture in the Bible. But I believe today that I've got something fresh inside of me that I've got to get out of me so that I can impart it to you. If you're ready, say bring it on. Look at your neighbor and tell them they need some power. Let's take a closer look at the end of this verse. The Bible says that we have power, and that power and boldness is to do one thing and one thing only, and that thing is this, witness. Are there any witnesses in the house? I didn't say witnesses. I said witnesses in the house. Three people. Praise God for those that witness in the house. I said, is there anybody here that, that is a witnesser in the house today? You want to go around and you want to tell everybody about how good Jesus is. I don't know about you, but I've got to get in, out of me what's in me. I've got to go around. I've got to tell everybody what Jesus has done for me. I used to be a sinner. I'm not a saint, but thank God I'm nowhere near where I used to be. Come on, somebody. I used to be a drug addict, but praise God, now I'm addicted to Jesus. I used to be an alcoholic, but now I just drank from the fruit of the vine. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know about you, but I've got to go around. I wasn't really a drug addict and an alcoholic, but I'm just saying I got to go around and I got to tell everybody about what Jesus has done in my life, how good he has been to me and my family. Is there anybody here that would testify with me today that God has been good? But not only has he been good, I believe that the kids nowadays, they say he's too good. 
You know what I'm saying? you got to, like, move your head like that. He's too good. Is there anybody here today that would say he's too good in your life? I see some of y'all, you're going like that. You're not saying it, but you got the head wave with it. He's too good. Some of y'all be like, I can't do it at the same time. I either got to wave my head or I, I got to say it. I can't say it and, and wave my head at the same time. But the Bible says that we have the power and the boldness to witness. Now, the word witness right there in the Greek is martos. It's where we get our English word. It's derived uh, from, from this, where we get our English word witness. It, it, it means that we are a martyr. It's where we get our English word martyr. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking today. You say, Pastor, I don't want to die today. Do I have to die in order to be a witness? Yes. You got to die to yourself. You got to die. Listen to this when I say this. You got to die to your opinions. I heard a pastor one time say this to his church Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got one and they all stink. Now, I'm not going to go and say that. That was that pastor. I'm not saying that to you because some of you have great ideas, some of you have awesome ideas, some of you have wonderful ideas. Some of you are still not picking up on what I'm talking about right now. We got to die to our opinions. We got to die to our sin. We got to die to ourselves. Let me tell you something. Anything that's in me that is contrary to the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. I want to be a witness, but also I want to go to the strip club. I want to be a witness, but also I'm addicted to pornography. I want to be a witness, but also on the side, I'm going to be a drunken alcoholic. I want to be a witness, but also I'm going to lust after my, my, my neighbor's wife. Not only am I going to lust after my neighbor's wife, I'm going to lust also after his car. I, I want to be a witness. I want to be spirit-filled, but I'm going to compare myself to that woman on the other side of the sanctuary. I want to be, it got quiet up in here. I want to be spirit-filled, but also I want to have their bank account. I want to be spirit-filled, and I could go on and on. But let me tell you something. If I'm going to be spirit-filled, and I'm going to have power, and the power to witness, then there are some things that's in me that I have got to put to death. You're not going to hear that a lot anymore. But Jesus Christ died for one reason and one reason alone, so that so that my sins could be forgiven. He died for your freedom. He didn't die for your complacency. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a witness up in this house. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that there are four places that we are to go to be a witness. The Bible says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. Let me say that again. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost. Can we put it in New Smyrna Beach lingo? New Smyrna Beach, Port Orange, Edgewater, and then unto the uttermost. Let me say that one more time. New Smyrna Beach, Port Orange, Edgewater, and then unto the uttermost. Some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor, I want to go to South America. I feel called to Africa. By the way, Africa is not a country. It's a continent. What country in Africa do you want to go to? I want to go to the whole continent of Africa. That's where I feel called to. 
I want to go to Europe. Oh, really? Well, when's the last time that you didn't cross the sea, but you crossed the street? I want to go around. I want to tell everybody about Jesus over there, but I can't do it over here. It starts here. You want the Lord to elevate you? You start now. You feel called to ministry? Ministry doesn't start when you have an REV in front of your name. Ministry starts right now. And can I tell you, you don't have to be in ministry to go around and tell everybody about how good Jesus has been. Say, Pastor, I'm quiet and I'm timid. Well, ask God to give you some boldness. I don't know about you, but every Christmas that I go to, if I, have, if I ever see a quiet and timid person open up the gift that they wanted for Christmas, they're not quiet and timid when they open up that gift. You ever seen that? You ever seen like a quiet? Those are the ones that are freak you out at Christmas time. You know what I'm talking about? The quiet, timid people, when they get that iPhone 6 in their hands, they begin to open that up. They're all quiet and timid. They open up. You know, they're all like. And they finally say, that, ah! They got the greatest gift. I can't do that again. Don't expect me to do that again. Thank God I'm not preaching two services yet. But they got the gift that they wanted. Let me tell you something. I got the gift that I wanted. The gift is J-E-S-U-S. And if I can shout from the rooftop about my iPhone 6, then how much more can I shout about eternal life? How much more can I shout about the salvation? How much more can I shout about the shed blood of Jesus? How much more can I shout about all the good things that God has done for me? How much more can I shout? Come on, somebody. But pastor, all that darkness that surrounds us. Church, hear me when I say this. That light shines brightest in the darkness I believe that we live in a very dark dark region even now today we have a region that is spiritually complacent I'm fighting not only with rain every Sunday but I'm also fighting with the beach well I don't feel like going to church today I just feel like going to the beach oh really I, I don't feel like going to the church today I want to go to bedside assembly how many's ever heard of bedside assembly bedside assembly of pastor pillow and sister sheet you know what i'm talking about don't you act like is there anybody that's real up in this house today i don't feel like going to church today i feel like going to lunch today church let me tell you something i believe that god has bigger and greater plans for this house but there's got to be some hungry worshipers left there's got to be a remnant that rises up there's got to be some people that say if you want to do that that's okay but as for me and my house if that's for you, go ahead. But as for me and my children, as for me and my wife, as for me and my family, I choose to serve the Lord. All that darkness. Can I also say this? I, I came fired up to preach today. I'm not in competition with any other church in this area. Let me say that one more time. I came to preach. I'm not in competition with Edgewater Alliance. I'm not in competition with Christ's community. I'm not in competition with the Methodists, the Presbyterians. I'm not in competition with the Baptists. I'm in competition with hell. And while I thank God that all these other churches are doing God's work, 
I don't compete against them. I uplift them. But who I come against is principalities and powers and the darkness of this air. I'm not coming against another pastor. If we are going to grow, which we have, we have doubled in one year as a church. Praise the Lord for that. That's almost unheard of nowadays in one year for an entire church to double. I praise God for that. But I'm not going to do it off of somebody else's flock. I'm not going to do it off of somebody else's sheep. I'm not going to go around and say, oh, you tried this church. Well, why don't you come to my church now? No, 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 no. If that's where you're getting fed, if that is where your family is plugged in, praise God, you stay there. I'm going to go after the lost. I'm going after the people that don't know Jesus. I'm going after the sinners. I'm going after the wary. I'm going after those that have strode off the road. I, that's my competition right there. Is there anybody here that says, Pastor, that lines up with me and my spirit today? All that darkness, church, shi light shines brightest in the darkness, and the Holy Spirit wants to give you the power to be that light. Now listen to me when I say this. Watch this. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing. Look at your neighbor and say nothing. Look at your other neighbor and say nothing. Look at the person behind you and say nothing. Look at the person in front of you say nothing. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall, be, shall by any means hurt you. What is nothing? It's two words. It's no thing. No thing shall by any means hurt you. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just give you power to witness. He wants to give you power to trample on the enemy's power. Is there anybody here that says, I, I, I've been going through a little bit of a test lately. I've been going through some darkness lately. The enemy has come at me with everything that he has. Well, let me give you a piece of advice today. Stop uplifting and exalting the power of the enemy. And start uplifting and exalting the power of the Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> through the Holy Ghost, we have power over the devil's power. Oh, praise God, Pastor, that's a good, let me, no, let me do it this way. Praise God, power, Pastor, that's a good word, hallelujah. We have power over the devil's power. You see, the Bible says this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me put it today in layman's terms, not by Eric Danner's might. Some of you are sitting there saying, praise the Lord for that. Not by Jackie Danner's power but only through the holy spirit says the lord can i tell you stop doing it on your own there's a war that is out there and you cannot win just in your own flesh you do not fight against flesh and blood you fight against the powers of darkness the principalities of this air. I'm here to tell you, just you and you alone cannot stand up against that. But there's somebody who not only stands up, there's somebody who not only matches up, there's somebody that has already won 2,000 years ago. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the side of the losing team. 
I don't like to lose. I like to win. Therefore, I chose Jesus because with Jesus inside of me, the Bible tells me that I am more than an overcomer. Can I get a witness in this house? Now, listen to me when I say this. Not only does the Holy Spirit come to give you power, but the Holy Spirit was sent to bring you help. Is there anybody in the sanctuary today that says, I've, I've, I've needed some help in my life before? I don't know about you, but I'm going to be real up in this place today. I've needed help. Help. I need somebody help. Not just anybody help. You know, I used to think I used to sing good. Jackie will attest to this. I got an app on my phone this past week, and it was a karaoke app. And it's one of those apps to where you sing, you know, some of the, the, the main songs that's out there today. And uh, I, I tried to sing within the tune. How many has ever seen one of those karaoke apps? And you got to, like, keep it between a certain level to be on key. I wasn't within that certain level. And so when I got done singing the song, I, I, I played it back, and I tried to hear myself sing, thinking, oh, man, what Pastor Andrew does is not so hard. That's the end of that story. <laughs> but is there anybody here today that's ever said, H-E-L-P, I've needed some of that for me. Help. You know, this past week, we needed some help with the building. We overcame, we, we, uh, we came across actually one of those problems that if it wasn't fixed now, it could be one of those nuclear option problems. How many has ever come across one of those if you've ever built before? And uh, it was actually the floorboards of the church building, uh, the former urgent care that was all rotted out. That was one of those unexpected costs. And uh, we were thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to cost this, and we're going to have to hire this, and we're going to have to buy this. And I was thinking, well, we're not even thinking, you know, June or July. We're thinking like 2016 now just to fix this problem. And so I, I called Jackie, and she and I brought it to the Lord. How many know, and I'm not saying that we are wise, but that's what I believe one of the wisest things that anybody could ever do. Before you go vent to a family member or a coworker or a fan, go vent to Jesus. And so we got Jesus on the phone. We got Jesus on the phone, and we presented the problem to Jesus. And that day, the Lord sent us somebody that not only knew how to fix it, he began to fix it. And it came away under what we thought it was going to cost us to fix it. Can I tell you, we've needed some help before in our life. And I'm thankful today that God sent the Holy Spirit of God to help us. Now watch this. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. The Bible says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The word help there in the Greek, it means this, two who walk together carrying the same burden. I'm here to tell you today, I'm thankful that I don't have to do life by myself. I'm thankful today that I don't have to do life 
alone. That there's somebody known as the Holy Spirit who was sent to help me. He was sent to walk beside me. Everywhere I go, that is where the Spirit is. I'm here to tell you today that the Spirit of God is surrounding me. And He is also surrounding what is surrounding me. My late notice becomes His late notice. My bills become his bills. My relationships become his relationships. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got some help. But the Bible goes on and it says this, he helps us in our infirmities. So he comes alongside of us to help us in our infirmities. Our infirmities is defined as this, our inner struggles. It's this, it's our inner fightings. Is there anybody that's ever fought in your inner self? Can I tell you today that sometimes the greatest enemy is enemy? Sometimes the greatest enemy is enemy. But I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is there to help me in my inner struggles. It's those struggles that I don't even want to tell anybody about. It got quiet up in the sanctuary today. Have you ever come across somebody that's ever been praying for themselves? You know what I'm talking about? And, oh, God, bless my family, Lord. Oh, God, bless my finances. Help me to raise up my children in the ways of your, your word, God. And then all of a sudden they get really, really quiet. You know what I'm oh, God, help me in my finances. Lord, forgive me this sin in Jesus. And forgive me this sin. And oh, God, touch my car. And Jesus, forgive me this sin, Lord. And just, Lord God. What they're doing is they're confessing their sins, their inner struggles, their infirmities. It's something that is, is so sensitive that it's only between them and their God. But I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit of God has been brought. He's been sent to help you. He's been sent to come alongside of you to help you in your infirmities and what you struggle with inside of you. I'm thankful that Jesus sent us the Spirit who dwells inside of me and he fights for me. Now church, this is so powerful to me because that's the kind of God that I serve. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Our high priest is who? Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. And the Bible says that we do not have a high priest. We don't have a Christ that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. This verse is so powerful to me because it reminds me that Jesus knows what I'm going through. Everything that I'm going through, Jesus has already overcame. The same temptations that I faced in 2015, guess what? Were the same temptations that Jesus faced 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says this in Isaiah 53, 5, that he was bruised. Now, what is a bruise? Does anybody know what a bruise is? A bruise is one of those, you know, purplish black marks inside of you. It's when you get hit so hard that it begins to tear. It begins to gnaw at the inner you. Is anybody with me today? And the Bible says that he was bruised. He struggled internally. 
The Bible says that he was bruised, and Jesus is bruised. Those hurts that he endured deep down were, were for my innermost struggles. Those bruises that he endured at the whipping, those bruises that he endured at the beating, those bruises that he endured during the crucifixion, that was for my infirmities. Those were for the things that myself I struggle with on the inside. Those were for the things that I don't want to tell anybody about. Those are for the things that nobody else knows my fight on the inside. Those are for the things that the enemy is inside of me. Those bruises that he endured that day was for deep down inside Eric Danner. And I'm here to tell you today that I'm thankful that I have a high priest who knows what I'm going through and he helps me overcome what I'm going through. Somebody give God a shout of praise. But listen to me when I say this. Not only has he come to give me power, not only has he come to, to help me, but the Bible says that he came to pray for me. Now, I believe today in the power of prayer. Is there anybody that says, Pastor, prayer works? I can testify today that prayer works. You see, I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice today is a product of prayer. At some point in your walk, on this journey that we called life, somebody has prayed for you. Somebody has prayed for you to where you're at right now. Somebody has prayed that you would find Jesus. Somebody has prayed that once you find Jesus, you and your family's blessed. Somebody has prayed that you're not on the losing side, that you're on the winning side. Somebody has prayed for you. And now you have got a praying pastor, a praying first lady, and a praying church. We pray here at Calvary New Smyrna. Once a month, we'll get on that property, and guess what? We pray. One of the first groups that we started when, when we started small groups last fall was a praying group. When we get on the property 15 minutes before our church services begin, guess what? We're going to be playing worship music, but we're going to be praying. We're going to have people pacing the altars and sitting down reading their word. Some are going to be fellowshipping. That's okay, too. That's in the Bible as well. But I believe in the power of prayer. You see, it was prayer that I believe helped us get a building for our church property. It, it, was, it was prayer that helped us put, put ourselves in the right context. Because the building that we purchased, guess what? It didn't come from Orlando. It didn't come from Tampa. It didn't come from Miami. It didn't come from Pensacola. The building that we purchased that's now going to be our church building came from New Smyrna Beach. It was somewhere in some field that nobody even knows of. Just sitting there for four years, a former urgent care building in Venetian Bay where people went in because they were sick. I believe that the attended purpose for that building has not changed. You see, I, even though some of the walls have been torn down, this wasn't in my notes. I feel prophetic right now. Even though some of the walls have been torn down, that's going to signify some of the walls in your life being torn down. Even though some of that ceiling has been torn down, that's going to signify that the ceilings in your life are going to be torn down. 
even though we've had to open that building up, that's going to signify that our hearts and our spirits are open to his ways. Even though we took down an urgent care sign on the front of this building, I still believe it's going to be a spiritual emergency room for New Smyrna Beach. I believe with all my heart the power of prayer works to this day. Somebody for 10 seconds, just stop and give God some praise in this house. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. We say yes to you, Lord. Yes, God. I feel him in this house. Romans chapter 8, verse 27, the Bible says this, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, let's get a hold of something real quick. I could have stopped and I, had a, I could have had church all day right there. But I want to continue because I felt this all over me when I was writing this message a few days ago. I want to talk about tongues for just a moment. I want to talk about tongues for just a moment. You see, tongues are not for entertainment, but for empowerment. I don't speak in tongues to impress people. Tongues is not a toy. It's a tool. The Bible says in James that this thing right here cannot be tamed by men. And so what does God do? He sends the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you may not be able to tame your tongue. But he sends somebody who knows how to tame this thing right here. And tongues... Is a sign, it's a heavenly language that the Holy Spirit has not only come upon you, but that the Holy Spirit prays through you. Let me say that one more time. Tongues is a sign that the Holy Spirit is praying through you. I want you to remember this today, that when you begin to pray in tongues, it's a secret code. The devil has no idea what you're saying. He only knows that when you pray, it devastates his kingdom. I'm here to tell you today, whether you pray in your native tongue or you pray in your heavenly tongue, whenever you pray, Satan runs. Satan is scared. Satan flees because he knows that his kingdom is going to get devastated when God's people, they come together and they pray. You see, when, the, when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, hell begins to panic. And think about it. It's God praying through you. Think about the significance of that simple statement. It's God praying through you. God the Holy Ghost praying to God the Father in the name of God the Son. I believe that's powerful stuff right there. And the Bible says this. Listen to me when I say this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, he tells us this, For he that searches, searches the hearts. What is the heart? 
when we begin to search the heart of God, the Holy Spirit begins to pray two things. He prays for the mind of God, and he prays for the will of God. Is there anybody here today that says, when I pray, I want to know the mind of God, and I want to know the will of God. I want to be open to the mind of God. I want his thoughts to become my thoughts. Because I believe that his ways are higher than my ways. But not only do I want to know the thoughts of my God, I want to know the will of my God. Can I tell you, before we purchased that building uh, last fall, you better believe that we sought God after that thing. You better believe that the church went to pray after that thing. I had me and my leadership, we prayed and we fasted before we wrote a $14,000 check over just purchasing that building. That $14,000 was just to purchase that building. That was not to move that building. If you've ever installed a 4,200 square foot building, you can imagine the costs of just moving the thing. But you better believe that I believe with all my heart that God opened the door for us to buy that thing. Why? Because we sought the mind of God and we sought the will of God. You see, I want my will to line up with his will. I want my will to line up with his will. So it's like when I'm praying and in my ignorance, I don't know how or what to pray. How many has ever been there in your life? You begin just to pray like the exact same words over and over. You don't know how and you don't know what to pray for anymore. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to pray through you. That's when the Holy Ghost, he kicks in and he moves me out of the driver's seat. He begins to move me out of the driver's seat and he takes over my tongue and he begins to pray the will of the Father. Can I tell you this? Father knows best. I believe that the Father knows best because we don't always know what to pray. Hear me when I say this. We don't always know what to pray. How many has ever been there before? You begin to pray and you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know what to pray. God, do something good. I don't know. Be God. And that situation that I can't think of right now. Do, do it, God. And when you don't know what to pray, sometimes we begin to pray some crazy prayers. Am I talking to any real people today that's ever prayed something crazy? God, let this be the right man. God, I pray that this woman... I've only dated her for three days, but I believe she's the will. I believe that she's my missing rib. I believe, God, that you sent her just for me. Help us to get married within the next month. How many has ever prayed like some stupid, crazy prayers? And the Holy Spirit, he kicks you out and he says, all right, let me fix this for you. Because I know what you're trying to do. Your heart's in the right place, buddy. But stop talking. And he begins to pray through you, and he says, let me fix this. He prays the mind, the will of God, because the Holy Spirit is God. He is omniscient. 
He is omnipresent. He is not bound by time. Listen to me when I say this. Pastor Rayleigh said it so eloquently this past Wednesday. Time is bound in him. God doesn't move in time. Time moves in God. He is everywhere at one time. He is Alpha and He is Omega, which means He is the beginning and He is the end. He was there in the beginning, but He also has the foresight because He is God to know what's about to happen in your future. And so when you begin to pray, let this woman be the will of God, that's when the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, Lord, He doesn't know what He's talking about. I pray that somehow you begin to open up his eyes to your will because she ain't your will. So you see, sometimes the answer he gives us while we speak in tongues is not for this time, but for a time to come. And that's why I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit prays through me, not just for my present, but for my future where he himself has been. Can somebody in this place, I know we just got a little deep there for a second, but I'm thankful today that the Holy Spirit, He prays. He prays through me, and He prays for me. Is there anybody here that's thankful for those three things, those three qualities, those three attributes of the Holy Spirit, the significance of the Holy Spirit in my life? Now, I'm beginning to close, and I'm going somewhere with this message. John chapter 14, watch this as I'm closing. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Say another. Say helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. You see, Jesus knew exactly what term he was using to describe the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you this, that Jesus does nothing by accident. I believe this with all my heart, that Jesus is intentional. And when Jesus does something or says something, I believe that his church people, we have a duty to pay attention to everything that God does and everything that God says. The word comforter right there. It means this in the Greek, parakletos. It's one who is called alongside of you to help you. He, he's, he's your comforter. But not only is he your comforter, he's your intercessor. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. Parakletos, one who pleads another's cause, a defense. He works through you. He dwells in you, and he comes up alongside of you. It's actually a legal term. How many's ever been in legal trouble before? You've ever been in trouble with the law? And you said, I need a lawyer. I needed some help legally in my life. Well, let me tell you something. You've got help legally in the spirit. The text said that he is with you and he is inside of you. The older generation said it like this. Listen to this. Something on the inside, working on the outside, Oh, what a change in my heart. He is not only with me, but he is inside of me. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, church. Buckle your seatbelts because it's about to get good. It's very powerful because it also implies that the Holy Ghost is surrounding you. Now, listen to me when I say this. If I go up, he's there. 
if I go down, he's there. If I move to the right side, he's there. If I go to the left side, he's there. I'll put a little soul on that one just to catch your attention. Do you see that? Let me do it again for you. If I go to the left side, he's there. He's so high, you can't get over him. He, he's so low that you can't go past him. You are surrounded, and I want you to know that no matter what kind of pressure you feel, the Holy Spirit is surrounding you, and he's surrounding the situations that are surrounding you. Now, Jesus said in, in verse 15 that you got to keep my commandments. Now, that's the stipulation in all of this. There's a stipulation to him sending the comforter, the paraclete, that you got to keep the commandments. You actually got to do what he says. Think about that for just a moment. You got to love your neighbor. You got to pray for those that come against you. Everything that Jesus said we must do in order for us to have the paraclete in our life operate as he is supposed to operate in my life. And if you keep his commandments, Jesus says that he will pray to the Father and he will send him to you. Now watch this. The one who pleads your case, he is more than your lawyer. Now get this picture in your mind. It's a defendant. And a defendant needs a lawyer, do you not? But not only do you need a lawyer, you need someone who knows you. You need someone who knows your case. I mean, what good is a lawyer in your life if they don't even know what you're struggling with? What good is a lawyer in your life if they don't even know what the prosecutor is prosecuting you about? And so the Holy Spirit is there in a legal sense because he knows you. And he knows what you're going through. He knows what the prosecutor is going to say about you, that you're a liar. That you're a cheat. That you're a murderer. That you're a thief. It got quiet up in here, didn't it? He's going to prosecute you with everything that you have ever done in your past. But I'm here to tell you today, that the Holy Spirit, as my paraclete, as my legal attorney, he pleads my cause. But not only does he plead my cause, my cause, he says this, yeah, he lied, but he's been forgiven. Yes, he hated his brother, and therefore he was a murderer. But the blood of Jesus has washed him clean. Yes, he, he's told some lives, but Jesus has forgiven him. And the list can go on and on and on and on. But not only does he plead my case, but let me tell you something. He pleads the blood. I'm here to tell you today that he pleads the blood. Now, there's one name that's been given to Satan. That name is this, the accuser. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. How many has ever been accused of anything in your life? But the Bible says this in John 15, 26, that the Holy Spirit is going to testify, and he's going to testify of me. So every time Satan begins to throw up in your past what you have done, what you've said, where you've been, then the Holy Spirit, he doesn't even talk about what you have done. He only talks about what Jesus has done for you. 
So not only does he plead your cause, not only does he begin to plead the blood, but he also begins to talk about how Jesus, you have been purchased. You have been forgiven. Is there anybody that's excited today about what Jesus has done in your life? He constantly entreats, he constantly exhorts, and he strengthens you towards victory because you are more than an overcomer over Satan, over the accuser of the brethren. And as I begin to close today, I'm here to tell you that no matter what you have done, no matter what you have said, no matter where you have gone, I'm here to tell you today that not only can you be forgiven, but I'm also here to tell you that you can be saved. We need the Holy Ghost in our lives. Is there anybody here today that would say, Pastor, I got something from that word today. I need the Holy Ghost in my life. I need the Holy Ghost in my marriage. I need the Holy Ghost to begin to plead the blood in my life. I need the Holy Ghost to begin to testify of the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this house. Just begin to pray with me in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this church service. You are welcome in the lives of your people. With no one looking around, say, Pastor, I've got sin in my life. There are things that I have thought that separated me from the love of God. There are places that I have been that have separated me from the love of God. And I need to be forgiven of that today. With no one looking around in the sanctuary. I don't want to embarrass anybody today. But before you leave this house, you say, Pastor, i, I got to get forgiven. I need to make sure that before I leave this place, I'm right with Jesus. If that's you, can you just begin to raise your hand in this house? One, two, three, four, five. Praise God. Six. Hallelujah. Seven. I see it. Eight. Eight hands so far. Say, Pastor, that's me before I leave this house. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned against God. I'm trying my best, but I've, I've got unrepentant sin in my heart. I've got to repent of it. I've got to turn from it. In the name of Jesus, if that's you, where's number nine? Raise your hand. There's sin in my life. Nine. I see a ten. Praise God. Where's eleven? Eleven. I see you. One more call. Before I walk out of this house, I want to know that I know that I know that I know that if Jesus Christ came back right now for his church, I'm going to heaven with him. I don't know that right now. But before I leave this house, I want to know if that's you. Where's twelve? Twelve. Praise God. I see a 12, verse 13. Hallelujah. 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 I want everybody to just repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to make it easy. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to go somewhere else after this. But I've got to pause in my heart. There's a check in my spirit. I've got to stop right now because I believe that somebody's soul is at stake. I've got one more call. One more call. I've got to move on. But if that's you, I feel it so strongly in my heart that I've got to stop right now for you. You know who you are. Say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. i got to lower my pride. Maybe you've been in church for years. Maybe people know who you are. But there's sin in your life. And it's gnawing at you. 
you got to get it on the blood to have peace. With no one looking around, say, Pastor, that's me. Raise your hand. I'm stopping for you. Everybody repeat this prayer after me from the leadership team, our pastors, our staff. I just want you to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on my cross. Thank you, Jesus, that by your blood I am washed clean. Forgive me of my sins, of anything in my life that separates me from you. Come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Can somebody put your hands together, give God a shout of praise in this house. Give God some thanks. Say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm washed by the blood. I'm clean. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Thirteen people today have raised their hands to get right with God. Now, before I go to my next call, and I'm almost done with this service, let me say this. Many people ask God to save them, but few people actually want Him as Lord. I want you to be my Savior, but it's hard for me to let you be my Lord. Can I tell you today, He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. You see, when He's Lord of all, everything inside of you, everything that you are, it succumbs to His authority. He's the King of your life. You are no longer your own, that you have been bought with a price. And it's time, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, that we are to be holy for the Lord God is holy. Holy means this, it means set apart. It's set apart from the world. It's set apart from sin. Don't go back into that same old lifestyle of sin that you had to raise your hand about today. Let me give you some common sense today. If you struggle with alcoholism, don't go into ABC Beverages to buy a water. It's time today that we start to live a holy lifestyle. Get in the Word. If you're new to Jesus, read the book of John first now. John the Beloved, he, he, per, he portrays Jesus in a very loving way. Get, in, get involved in the ministry. Get involved in the church. We want you and we need you. Let him be Lord of your life. Amen? Amen. Put your hands together one more time if you believe that. Now before we leave this place, now listen. Have you gotten anything from today? If, if you've gotten something today, raise your hand. We're on the road to Pentecost. Listen, we're on the road to Miracle Sunday. And I'm going to pray right now, my second call, that God uses you in unusual ways this week. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to embarrass anybody today, but I would ask the question, I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but when was the last time that you led someone to Jesus Christ? Think about that for just a moment. When was the last time that you yourself led someone to Jesus? We live in a day and age right now to where we don't do ministry unless the church provides the ministry. If we don't go feed the homeless as a ministry, you're not going to go feed the homeless. If we don't provide the ministry to the community, then you're not going to get involved. That's the kind of day and age that the church right now is living in. But let me tell you something. God wants to use you this week. Whether there's a ministry that's being launched or not, God wants to launch you. 
Let God use you. I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice today, you have gifts and you have talents that only God has given you. Be used this week. If you know somebody that does not know Jesus, it's not about adding to the church, it's about adding to the kingdom. Every pew in this sanctuary needs to be overflowing next Sunday. Hear me when I say that. Not so, hear my heart. I'm not a lover of crowds. Your pastor is a lover of people. Let me say that one more time. I'm thankful for big crowds, but I'm going after the one. And I'm going after the one through you. You're going to go places this week that I can't go. You're going to talk to people this week that I can't talk to. I'm going after the one through you. But most importantly, God is going after the one through you. Be used this week. Be used this week. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. The Bible says that he is a guider into all truth. We live in a day and age right now. I'm still preaching. We live in a day and age right now to where right is wrong and wrong is right. We live in a day and age right now to where we're going to give an interview on a national, nationally known news source about a man who's becoming a woman. God's not confused about who he made you to be. We live in a day and age right now to where our very own Supreme Court has taken up the case about homosexual marriage marriage in our society it's time for the church to be the church we say amen to that but how many are going to do it this week let God use you this week